Ridiculous. Welcome to Ridiculous, an extensive look into the world of Harry Potter. I'm Samantha. I'm Julia. And I'm Robin. And we're digging deeper into a world we love to learn more about the wizarding world. Hey, hey guys. All right, I don't know what I'm doing, Robin. We're rusty. You do it. I'm shutting up. Hey, guys, we're back. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. It's not Corona. It's not. We're it's trying to... It's here. We're, um, we're doing a, a new format where we're going to be going over the first six... Well, we broke up the chapters of the book, of the first book. Mm-hmm. So Sam is going to lead the first six chapters. Now, I want to say this. Yes. Our schedules still are not. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're not messing up with our schedules yet, guys. Yeah. We're working so on we're we're missing Jules today, mm-hmm. and um, there may be times when one or the other, or you know, we as may be missing one of, of the us. three. Yeah, as yeah. long as there's two of us, we're going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of, we were, we had, I think we, like, like, two months straight, we had scheduled recording, and then something would come up for one of us, and so we were like, I was like, okay, we got to figure something out where we can, we can keep this thing rolling, and, like, we can work on getting these schedules together, so. Yeah. That was my little solution. So can I have like a just I have a Harry Potter crisis for a minute. Oh lord. I know. I know. So um last weekend my brother was texting me and he's like all of a sudden he's like hey Becca wants to know if you've taken the Harry Potter sorting quiz. And I was like or on Pottermore. I was like yeah, but the Pottermore one is is dump. I don't like it. So the next thing I know, I'm texting Becca. So Becca for reference is my best friend's uh, or my brother's best friend's wife. So we're texting and I sent her the, the Harry Potter quiz that gives you the percentages on your houses. And uh, yeah, I'm not done that one. So you should do that one. Cause it, what it does is breaks down all of the, the questions that are in Pottermore, but gives it to you as one instead of just a handful of them, like a pool from Pottermore. <sighs> Well, but so, I, yeah, but I'm a Hufflepuff and I just want to be that. Well, so, so I was like, okay, well, let me retake this test too. So she texts me and she's like, oh, I'm still Slytherin. And I finished my quiz much slower and I'm not a Hufflepuff anymore. I'm a Ravenclaw. And I feel like that fits who I am so much better than a Hufflepuff. So I'm like fully willing and welcoming this embrace, but it's or like this change, but at the same time, like holy nuggets, this is weird. Well, and I'm gonna quote Dumbledore. I think we sort way too soon. Yeah, I would agree. You're with always that. changing. You, I mean, your life. You know, as you go, move through life, you're always changing and evolving. So. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like I said, it was, it, it's, it's a perfect switch. And I, I didn't think about that Dumbledore quote until just now, until you mentioned it. So, yeah. All right. I think my crisis is calming down a little bit. <laughs> so Dumbledore said it was okay. So it's okay. Dang it. 
I had a little bit. So it's for reference, it's not even eight o'clock in the morning right now. And I'm drinking coffee. So just bear with me. Are you ready to jump into this, Robin? Yeah, I can't. Oh, there it is. I was like, where's my phone? It's like making noises. And I was like, oh, here it is. Let me turn that down. That's my life. I'll never, ever, ever know where my phone is. <clears throat> Try to get this Kindle app open because somehow, somewhere, my book is in this house, but it is not with me. So. Oh, I found my books. Where were they? They were in the cat room, buried uh, under stuff. Yep. Been there, done that. Aha, there we go. All right. So, I just, I basically just kind of laid out the book a little bit, or the first six chapters. And then I, um, I got a few questions, um, in here as well. Um, so the whole first chapter is by largely, uh, considered by most Potter fans to be their least favorite chapter. Do you agree with that? Um, I don't, I don't look at it as my least favorite chapter. Um, it was more, um, informational and it set, it set things up. Um, and it, it gave more information if you looked into it than you actually realize. Exactly. And <clears throat> I was going to say the same thing because as a, as a child, when I was reading this, like, yes, I would have easily been like, yeah, this chapter is terrible. Like I, I skipped it. But now as an adult, when I go back and read it as an adult who understands deeper reading, I, I can see, I see what's coming in these first few chapters. Right. So. And unfortunately, I don't have that perspective reading this as a child because I was 25 years old when I read the first book. Well, and even, but that's the thing. I don't even, I can't, let me amend what I said. It's not even as a child. It's as a first time reader more, more than anything, because yeah, it doesn't matter the age you are, as long as you don't know who the Dursleys are and what's coming, it should hit you in about the same way. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, an adult, like, so my niece is getting to turn 10, and would, this would be about the time that if she wanted to read them, to start reading them. Yeah. Um, she's totally going to see that first chapter differently than I did at 25. And that's the And thing. then, there again, her personality, if you put her with her sister... She's going to have so much empathy for Harry that she would probably say, yes, it's the most hated chapter in the series. Yep. Kelly, who is so funny, she's seven, very analytical. If you're not in her line of sight, you really don't exist in her world at that moment. <laughs> and she, I don't think she would see it as the worst chapter in the series. I think she would just take it at face value. This is basically what's going on to this kid and, and move on from there. And that makes sense. And, but you gotta, 
another thing to take into account with with a series like this is this isn't a series that most people just pick up well hold on this is a series that people put like pick up and and sink their claws into like look at us right so every time you read it it's gonna hit a little bit differently you're gonna pick up something different that you didn't pick up before i've been reading this book series for i don't know what how 2018 18 years and i still learn something new every time i read the series yeah Um, so I do think that JK did write this chapter, um, in such a manner to describe the Dursleys to be as boring as possible. I mean, she gave Mr. Dursley a job where he works for like with drills. I mean, how boring. <laughs> like, and she even says in here, like he picked out his most boring tie for work. And he sits with his back to the window. Like, who does that? Like, no, if I'm at work, my butt's staring out the window, not facing away from it. Right. That's funny that that you that you saw boring when I saw white privilege. See? Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I I Sometimes I don't even like think about stuff like that. It, Especially in what books. I what I had written was they had to be perfectly normal. There could be nothing strange. There could be nothing mysterious. There could be no nonsense. However, Petunia spies on her neighbor neighbors, mm-hmm. which, funny enough, and very ironic, they have a secret. Exactly. You know, they have a secret family issue that they don't want anybody to know about, the Potters. So, and I think that kind of leads me to, it puts me a little ahead in my outline, but that's okay. So does that, that leads me to being, um, to another question where he is the Dursley secret, right? So... Do you think that if he, I don't want to phrase this. Do you think that if he had been raised by someone else, that he still had become the person that he was supposed to have been? Like, do you think that their cruelty to him was vital to becoming the character that Harry ends up being? Um, it's a very good question because you're now you now you're talking about nature versus nurture. Yeah. And if we look, if you don't take into consideration that he had a year with his parents who were very loving and very, very caring. Right. And people are like, well, you don't remember that because you're a baby. I don't believe that. You, you might not remember it, but it's vital to how how you develop mm-hmm. whether you remember it or not um i think he would have been more like james a little mm-hmm. bit more arrogant had he been raised by say james's parents 
or even Lily's parents, which, you know, we've never gotten an answer as to what happened to these two people. You know, all she says is, well, they died. You know, we know, we finally find out James's parents were older, so they died. But what happened to Lily's parents? It's never mentioned. Right. So, you know, why couldn't they have raised him? Um, well, and I, I think often about, like, what if Sirius had been allowed to have raised him? And I think in that instance, he would have been wholly, wholly and completely right. He would have been... He would have been James to a T because that's how serious he yes. raised him. Exactly. You know, I think he would have been a little bit more humble with Lily's parents. Yeah. Um, and a, a little bit more arrogant with James or James' parents or Sirius. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that even makes me wonder, I mean... In the instance that we have now where everyone's deceased or in jail, like, where does he go? I mean, is there, like, magical orphanages? <laughs> like, makes me wonder. Well, Tom Riddle was raised in a muggle orphanage. Right. And, the, but see, and that's but, what I'm saying, though. Is I don't think that Dumbledore would ever put Harry in a muggle orphanage just because, like, Harry has no... At his birth, until the point that Lily and James die, Harry has no connection to the Muggle world. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Dumbledore would have asked one of the teachers or a, another family with children to help raise him. I don't know. That's a good uh, question. He could have been an eighth Weasley. I was literally sitting here thinking that. <laughs> That's why we're friends, Robin. <laughs> He could have gone to the Weasleys. He would have been the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going straight to bad joke tale for that one. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my Lord. All right. Let me catch up on thoughts here. And see, the thing that... that that clearly annoys the living daylights out of me with the Dursleys is they're clearly capable of love. It's just this one tiny thing that they can't get past why they can't take joy in Harry. And like, I say he's clearly capable of love because like one, look how they treat Dudley and two. Yeah, but that's not, that's not, that's not good love. Well, but not necessarily that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Vernon loves Petunia. I mean, he something is well, like does not wanting to disturb her with something like this. So that's what I'm saying. Like they're they are capable of loving. It's just they can't move past one small one small thing. Right. All right. So. The next place I jumped to in my outline. Um, <clears throat> so the cat is mentioned earlier in the chapter um, about how it's reading a map. <laughs> so we find out later. Let's see if I can get to it. I hate using the Kindle app for things. It just takes me forever to move through things. 
Do you think Harry would have, um, sorry, backtracking. Do you think Harry would have allowed fame to get to his head if he had been raised in the magical world? Or do you think, again, that depends on who raised him? Say that again. Uh, say that again. So Dumbledore mentions that he wants to leave Harry with the with the Dudley or the Dursleys because he doesn't want the fame to get to Harry's head. Oh, the fa- okay. So as I was saying, like, do you think that if he had been raised in the magical world, he would have reacted differently to it, or probably? Yeah, again, because do he you- does. He, he does further in the books. He's the chosen one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't, you know, there's always the movie version versus the book version. But there's a little part of him that's like, yeah, I'm the chosen one. And then they kind of flaunt that a little bit in the movies. And he's like, well, I am the chosen one. Well, and and what, you know, teenage boy wouldn't, right? Like, right. Attention. So I think that, I think there would, not that he would have been as bad as like, say, Malfoy, but. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there would have been a little bit of arrogance there. I mean, I'm Harry Potter. But, you know, he comes into it not knowing, who, he has no idea. You have got to get off the table. Sorry, it was my cat was on the table. You're fine. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. He doesn't know what he's coming into. And so he has sort of a hum, he had, he not sort of, he has humble beginnings. But I do really, really love the movie version of that scene where she, like, whacks him with the book. Yeah. I love that part. All right. So it's clear from the jump that McGonagall doesn't like this situation. That No. Yeah. Yeah. So I just... It does make me wonder, like, I see Dumbledore's point of view, like, he's the only family he's got, they, that he's got. But what do, you, what do you think McGonagall would have had him do instead of the Dursleys? Find a, a magic family to put him with. Yeah, alright. Yeah, I just... I, I don't know. She just, she... She clearly loves him even from the jump because she loved James and Lily. Yeah. So I wonder if she maybe herself would have, like, would have wanted to take him. Well, she had. Didn't she want kids? I can't remember off the top of my head. But couldn't have them? I think she. Well, I know. I think her husband died too soon before they had children. And then the one guy she married, he was older. Mm-hmm, I think so. Or the second guy. Well, I think she was engaged, and then she broke the engagement. And then she married the second guy. Oh, okay. I don't okay. remember what happened to him. I, I he don't died. He did die, but like I'm saying, I don't remember if he died quickly or if he died slow and they chose not after children. I don't remember. I don't either. Okay, so Dumbledore, or um, McGonagall mentions the scar on his head, and Dumbledore says, "Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it if I could." And then he mentions his uh, scar on his knee, 
in the map, the map of the London Underground. How do you think he got that scar? Does it ever say? I don't, I don't know. I mean, we have a clear backstory for the broken nose. But I want to know about this scar. I don't know. She never talks about that. Mm -mm. All right. So here's where we have some um, kind of big foreshadowing for me. This is actually our first mention of Sirius Black so early in the books. And it was like I was saying earlier, it's one of those things where you don't pick it up until you've read it multiple times. Like the first time you're reading through, you're like, okay, Sirius Black. I didn't even take note of it until probably the, I don't know, I'm a little dense, so probably the sixth, seventh time I took, I read it. Um, let me see if I can find the quote, but Hagrid says he borrowed the bike from, uh, here, here we go. Didn't he say young Sirius Black? Mm hmm Like there's a there's a distinction there, you know. Between like young Sirius Black and the Sirius Black that we know is Well, I mean, you know, why would you why would you they know who Sirius Black is. We don't, right, as the reader. Mm -hmm. So why would doesn't that isn't that what he says? I borrowed the bike yeah. from young Sirius Black. So, so here's the quote: It says, "Borrowed it, Professor Dumbledore, sir," said the giant, climbing carefully off the motorcycle as he spoke. Young Sirius Black lent it to me. I've got him, sir. So here's the thing: Why? I mean, that's a distinction. That's a description. Young Sirius Black. Why? Why use that particular word, young? They all know who Sirius Black is. It's not like they don't know who he is. Yeah. And Even I, though we don't know who he is. I Hagrid never, is giving the distinction he's young. And that's the thing. I never picked up on that because like, I don't know, I guess it just, to me, I always just read it as it was like, like somebody else. Unless, say unless that's a, an English thing like that. that, I mean, that may be an English. Well, but that's what I'm thinking. But, because, you know, there's a certain way that they talk. Right. Do what? I, I think you're on to something, though, by by picking up on that word young, because I don't think, I think it is meant to be read casually, but it's also meant to be read deeper. Because you're right, like, there is a distinction between young Sirius Black and the Sirius Black that we meet, and it's Azkaban. Right. And he is older, disheveled beaten down, broken. And there's only one thing keeping him going. And that is Harry. Harry. Mm -hmm. And at first it's like, Oh, to kill Harry. And then we come to realize, Oh, it's not. It's to protect Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's, I think this sort of shows like one, this shows us one thing about Sirius Black from the jump is that he loves enough that he's willing to let Hagrid take his motorcycle to drop Harry off. 
and it doesn't show us who he loves yet, but it does show us that he's willing to to help. So it's just a small yeah. little tidbit that we can pick up about Sirius. All right. Um. So we come to the. Hold up. Gotta make sure my book's in the right place before I continue. <laughs> All right. So we move forward, and we see actually how bad Harry is treated, and it makes me wonder when did this terrible treatment start? Right. Like, was it? from the jump when it Petunia opened the door or was it like maybe after they had like um it was proven that he had some sort of magic like maybe he like accidentally set something on fire right and bam now they hate him so like I guess there's a I should form a question within here right so um do you think that it was from the jump or do you think that there was some trigger there for the Dursleys to hate him. I, okay. Now I'm trying to talk and work and you have to get off the table. I think there was prejudice to begin with. One, there's a letter that says, this is your nephew. Your sister and her husband were killed. And I'm asking you to take him in because your blood will protect him. And he probably used magic in there. And, you know, their dirty little secret was that her sister and her husband and her nephew were magical. Which they didn't want any part of that. So I think right from the very beginning, there was prejudice against Harry. He had no tr- I mean he he didn't have chance. And it just grew over time. So, and I do not believe that it was the stupid horcrux that created their hate for him. I don't believe that at all. No, we've done too much research to know that that's not true. That I don't believe that at all. Not when as much time as he spent with Ron and Hermione. It, it never affected them. No, so when people bring that up, I'm like, nah, that's nah, not it. I think it's, I, I think it was right from the very beginning. Her, well, and I mean, you know, she, I think she had more prejudice because she was turned down. She was not yeah. allowed to go to the magic school. She didn't have magic. And that was what I was <clears> to <throat> bring up was, is, is Petunia, does Petunia's hatred stem from he's something I want to be or is it more just because she just hates him? I think it, I think it morphed over time. Mm. I mean, cause you're talking, you're talking the age of 11 through or whenever she sent that letter, what, however old, I don't know how much older than Lily she is. Yeah. I don't know. You know, Lily was 11. I think she's a couple years older. But is she older? Hold on. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if she's older. I always assumed she was a couple years older than Lily. Yeah, I did too, but I, I was just kind of reading the other day. I was like, mm, I don't know. 
Yeah, you're right. She is the oldest. But it, you know, regardless of that, She's you know. Older. Oh, is she? Well, it says Petunia is likely one to two year one to two years older than Lily, but possibly as much as five years older. Well, you've got the movie portrays it weird because they show a little girl in the train station, not like what she would be at like twelve. Well, 13-ish, if she's two years older. Well, I think that you've got resentment that has built up over the years to where it's turned into, you know, venomous hatred. Well, well, she's my sister, and I have to deal with her, and, you know, but I, I don't have to, like, spend time with her, you know, like that. She sent her the ugly lamp or whatever. Um, but so, so she's got. He's already fighting that. But I think it was more. She was more toward. She had more hatred towards the magic, not the person. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, and and that's what I was gonna say is like. Clearly, Petunia feels some sort of love for her sister. It's and and I say her sister because it like hello like she has no connection to Harry other than her sister. So right. She can't love Harry for himself. So I think the only reason that she agreed to take Harry was for Lily's sake because yes. Oh she sure. I'm a, a, a witch, but. At the end of the day, like, she's still your sister. And so... Yeah. There was enough love still there for Petunia to convince Vernon to do this. So... Right. Well, I mean, you know, you can love someone but not like them. Yeah. You know, you can have that, you know, well, that's family. Versus, well, I am not have anything to do with you. Yeah. At all. Well, it's still family. When it comes down to it, it's still family. Even though they didn't have anything to do with them. Yeah, and I don't... So that's the thing, like... I just... I don't know. I don't think... Yeah, okay. We'll just go on. (laughs) You don't think what? There's something you've got know. something brewing. I uh, it's what uh, I don't know if Petunia does it as a, out of loyalty to the idea of family, more as she does it out of maybe regret. I mean that's a possibility to make up or you're saying that she does it to make up to Lily? Sort of, in a a way, like, I think in Petunia's twisted little mind, yes, it may be some sort of regret. And I, I don't know, that's why I was like, let me just go on, because it's something like I had kind of started formulating, like in my last two rereads. But I haven't done enough rereads to fully be able to tell you why I feel that way. So, 
it takes me a couple rereads to to really fully sink my my claws yeah. in something like this. So. All right. So, um, the first sign of like cruelty we see is that there's like no pictures of Harry in the house, and then, um, and then it tells us that he pretty he sleeps in the broom cupboard. So, like, do you remember your reaction when you read that? No, I don't, truthfully. Um, (laughs) It's like, get down. It just kind of, I just kind of took it at face value. I was like, oh, they're just kind of mean to this kid. I mean, they put him in the broom closet. I mean, I didn't, there wasn't any like, oh my, like outrageous. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I literally, the first chapter, I took at face value. This is just a description of how this kid is being raised. Yeah, I... And kind of like, and I can see, like, where I had said with Kelly, that that's her mindset. She takes everything at face value. If you are not in her line of sight, you're not in her world at that moment. Right. So... That's kind. Of, that's kind of how I am. In in the sense of when I'm reading a book, I kind of take it at face value until I get to where there's a point where they're trying to make. And I know that a lot of this stuff, there are plenty of points to it, but it's also a descriptive chapter to get you to the point of okay, Harry Potter is going to be a wizard and he's going from this horrible place to where he's going. Really and truly, where he is slave labor, slave labor, you know, like the house elves, to where he's cherished and loved and um, encouraged and taught and taken care of. Yeah. So initially, I always took it as just this is this is an intro. And didn't really read that much into it. I just remember thinking, I was like, okay, it'd be all right to sleep in a broom cupboard, but if we could just, like, get rid of the spiders. I don't know. I just... I've always been fascinated with small spaces, so I wouldn't totally mind sleeping in a a cupboard like that. Just the creepy Carly's gotta go. Yeah, I can't... You know, well, you know, a spider, he, what is it? How do they say it? That he knocked a spider? Uh-uh. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. Something like that. He was used to spiders, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, no. No. I don't think I can ever get used to spiders. Like, they grow them bigger in the south, I'll tell you that. And, uh... To get any bigger, I'm going back to the Midwest. Can't can't hack it. So that's why you need a cat. I had two cats corner a spider today and eat it. I was like, "What are you doing over there?" And, it was a, and I walked over and they ran away. It was a, and that poor spider. He was on his back, just a twitching. Ooh. I had to kill it. It was almost. It was already almost dead. Good gracious! It's just a house cat. They'll get rid of your spiders for you. 
Oh, oh, speaking of. Okay. Remind me to tell you the mouse story. I don't know. I don't think I should tell it on the podcast. Okay. Okay. So we get to the point where we are going to the zoo. And um, Harry mentions his dream with the motorcycle. Right. So I think that aids your point of saying, like, memories. Well, and when you said, you know, the first year with Lily and James was was formative to who he was being or who he was becoming it's clear he has some sort of memory because he does you know the memory or the the motorcycle and the green flash Um, so I just wanted to pull those out so the um so snakes are kind of a recurring um creature throughout the book and Snakes have a lot of symbolism towards um, evil. And so that's how you sort of... Uh, it's, how, it's a way you could kind of pick up on the direction of the book. Uh, if you, you know that. So the first time that we talk about um, parcel tongue... So hold on. We don't know that it's called parcel tongue at this point. But the first time it's brought up is right here in this second... Is this the second chapter? See, I really hate using the Kindle. I don't know what chapter I'm on. The Vanishing Glass, is that chapter three? Two? Uh. Hold on, I gotta get back to the beginning. Alright, it's chapter two. Uh, I'm gonna find my original book, because this is irritating me. (laughs) Uh, Alright, so... So yeah, this is the first time we see Harry speaking to a snake, and this is huge foreshadowing. And then this is where the first instance of where we see Harry's magic in place, even though it's accidental magic. He does mention earlier in the book that he ended up on the school roof and uh, his hair grew back and the sweater shrinking and things like that, but this is like in action. Um... Did you, so, did you know what Parseltongue was before this? Before Harry Potter? No. No. Yeah, because I didn't either. So, I thought that was, um, interesting. So, because when I, when I read, like, he was talking to the snake, I was just like, oh, he's just talking to it. Okay. Um. Well, and I, I didn't know what parcel tongue was, but I took it at face value that, that he has some type of, I mean, you go into it knowing he goes to magic school. Right. So well, that's to, what. But to talk to a snake is a little bit different, I think. Because like I said, like, you know, that's the thing. Like if you, so I mentioned snakes being, uh, it's sort of like a carrier of evil, sort of a sign of of something evil to come. And so for Harry to be able to communicate with it, because like he, the snake doesn't actually speak back, but it does like, you know, winks at him. And so for, I think for that to kind of take place, 
you have to know, like, Harry has some sort of... Okay. I, reading this on a different level than just for fun, assume would assume that Harry has some sort of evil happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so the letters start arriving. Well, so, okay, hold on. Let me back up. So um, this is where Dudley falls in, and then the glass, or Dudley and Pierce fall in, and then the glass comes back up. I thought that was just the most funny thing, but I also remember thinking that I would be very traumatized by like by that. They would have to put me into like a No kidding. Home. I couldn't do it. Oh, we were outside with a pool the other day, and a little brown snake goes by. And I'm not kidding you. This thing was probably like six inches or less. And my butt takes off into the house. And I'm screaming from the driveway. Bye, love. You're in the backyard for the rest of your life forever. I will see you when you come in. I ain't going back out there. Um... Okay, yeah. So now the letters start arriving, and um, do you? Um, what would you? Would you have just grabbed for them, or would you have like tried to sneak one away? Like you know, I would have tried to sneak one away. See, and that's where I'm like. Harry, why are you so dense? Just why? Why you gotta take a letter that's addressed to you into? And he walks right into the kitchen. Yeah, why are you so dense? I, I I've yet to I get angry every time he does that. It's like I he could have put it in his back pocket, mm-hmm. walked in, laid it down, waited, and then gone back to his little cubby hole and then opened it. Right. But he's in, he's such in shock and awe that he, that here he has a letter. He just walks in getting ready to read it. I mean, even though, I mean, but like more letters came. So like, you think you would have learned. I just. Yeah. But the next time letters came, remember he was going to get up early and then, uh, Vernon was at the door waiting too. Remember? Maybe I'm like thinking about the movies. Cause I thought like, I thought it just, hold on. Let me Cause he was like, I'm going to get up. If the letter comes again, I'm going to get up and I'm going to meet the postman. And so he, it was, you know, dark and he stepped on something and it was Vernon who was at the door waiting for the postman. Because Harry was like, I'll just meet him at the corner or something like that. No. The second time. Yes, you're right. That does happen. But that's not the second time. Um, Oh. So the second time when the mail arrived, Uncle Vernon, who seemed to be trying to be nice to Harry, made Dudley go get it. Made Dudley go get it. Right. And Dudley said, there's another one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. But still, like, I mean, I always... Now as an adult, I'm like, it's, it's such a boy thing. Like, you're just so, like, 
tunnel vision. Like that's such something my two brothers would have done. Like me, I, I'm not like that. Like this is mine. I'm gonna go be in private while I do this. Well, I just think that initially he was in shock and awe. Right. Of oh my, I've got a letter. Who would who would send me a letter? And he says, "Who would send me a letter?" I don't have a library card. They couldn't be sending yeah. me a letter stating, you know, you're overdue on books yelling at him. Well, and I think I think it just goes back to like impulse control is more what I'm saying. Like boys don't well, think true. that way. Yeah. Or at least the boys I know don't think that way. But eventually this does turn into being sort of our, our first taste of what magic can really do as it like floods the house with letters. Right. Um, so this causes a breakdown on behalf of Uncle Vernon as the letters still continue to follow. And a giant then shows up on the doorstep in the middle of the ocean. See, whatever the heck they call that. Oh my God, that was so funny. When Hagrid shows up? they were like, no, before that, when he was like, he was just driving. Oh, shake him like, off, shake him They off. went out, you know. He goes to the middle of a he goes to the middle of a forest and gets out of the car, and he's like, "No, nah, this shakes his head and gets back. No, nah, it's not good enough." And they're like, "What is he doing?" You know, it's like he, he had no idea what to do. It just no no matter what he did, it was just they're gonna find us. He had a full and on then, mental breakdown. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then of course, you know. The hut on the rock, mm-hmm. which didn't help anyway. It didn't matter. I mean, they could have been on the moon. Yeah, they were gonna get. They were gonna find Harry. So, Hagrid in his pink umbrella. All right. So speaking of Hagrid, this is our second mention of him, but I would say that this is our first official. Hey, meet Hagrid. Right. So. He knocks the door down. Dudley asks, where's the cannon? I always think that's hilarious. Where's the cannon? I do too, because it's like, he's completely passed out. And he's like, I can just see him sitting up going, where's the cannon? (laughs) I had had him. And Harry looking at him going, you're so stupid. Uh, Yes. Uh Uh-huh. I don't Rangel and I have those moments together sometimes where like he'll be Dudley and I'll be Harry or I'll be Dudley and he'll be Harry. I was Dudley last night. Oh Lord. He was asking me to turn the air on or something like that. And I was like, uh and, and and then I just back to sleep. And then he's like, Babe, I'm asking you something and I just snap up and I was like, Leave me alone. <laughs> All right. So, <coughs> this dang book. So this is where we sort of start to learn about the magical world. This is where Hagrid is explaining things to Harry, who he is exactly, and a little bit about the world that he's about to come into. Um, they talk about, well, so first off we see, this is Harry's first opportunity to see magic used when, um, Hagrid, um, does he give Dudley a pigtail first or is it the fire? He, 
Hold on, I gotta find him. No, I think he does the fire first because Vernon says, "Don't, don't take, don't That's take anything right. from him," and he's like, "Your pig of a kid doesn't need any more fattening up or something like that." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's right. It's this is Harry's first opportunity to see magic um performed when Harry or when Hagrid lights that fire. Um and then we see him give Dudley a pigtail. That was cuz he was eating Harry's cake. And then Now was he was he eating Harry's cake or was that in the movie? I watched the movie like last week, so I'm a little saturated with the movie. <laughs> Hold on, let me find it here. I hate Kendalls. I hate them. That's right. Wasn't it in in reaction to something that Uncle Vernon said? Yeah, he was like, you don't talk about Dumbledore. He was like, don't insult Dumbledore in front of me. Let's see if I can find it here. Oh, I'm struggling to find it. That's what I'm looking for, too. You need to, like, insert some Jeopardy music here. Okay, here it is. Um, So Uncle Vernon says, I'm not paying for some crackpot old fool to teach him magic tricks. Yeah. Uncle Vernon. And then, uh, but finally he had gone too far. Haggard seized his umbrella and whirled it over his head. Never, he thundered, insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. He brought the umbrella swishing down through the air to point at Dudley. There was a flash of violet light and a sound like a firecracker. A sharp squeal, and the next second, Dudley was dancing on the spot with his hands clasped over his fat bottom, howling in pain. When he turned his back on them, Harry saw a curly pig's tail poking through a hole in his trousers. So yeah. And and then he goes on to say meant to turn him into a pig, but I suppose he was so much like a pig anyway, there wasn't much left to do. Haggard Haggard throws some shade every now and then. Yeah, he do. <laughs> Alright, and then but we also in the very next line, um well not the very next line, but a few lines down, we learn that Haggard's not supposed to use magic. And uh, he asks Harry to not mention that. (laughs) All right. So this is where we get to enter the magical world officially. This is Diagon Alley. Um, We get to go to a couple of stores, a couple of things with them. Um, First off, we go to Gringotts, which I don't like banks as they are now. I can't see myself utilizing Gringotts. Just saying. That would be very sickening to me. What, because of the goblins? No, the carts. Or because of the greed? No, the carts being underground. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I don't don't do underground well. I don't like it all that much. 
How often are you underground? Uh, thankfully, very never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. Well, so like we've been, um, I've been in caves and stuff. Like, so, um, uh, what are they called? I can't think of, there's some caves in Kentucky. They're the largest under, or Tennessee, maybe. Anyway, they're the largest underground caves in, like, I think it's the continental United States. I don't remember, but there's a giant lake down there. And I had a panic attack the entire time. I was like, I need, I just need to go see this guy because i'm just i I know i'm gonna die down here like i'm i'm stuttering talking about it like i'm I'm, mm -mm. okay well you don't have to talk to talk about it i'm stating this on the podcast right now i'm gonna say that you're instructions to cremate me so i'm gonna take a wild guess that you're claustrophobic no just i you're not no I, I do fine with sm- with small spaces. I just don't like being underground. It just... Okay. I just... It's, it just... Nope. Mm-mm. Can't do it. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, a weird phobia of mine, but... So when we go, when we go to Universal, to Harry Potter World, what are you going to do when we do the Gringotts ride? Well, like, I mean, if it doesn't look like it's underground, it's different. Like, so I was at the... Well, I think I think it looks like you're going underground. Well, so, okay, so in St. Louis, the, uh, the museum under the arch is underground. And I was fine with it. So, like, as long as it, like, looks like... Yeah, but it's also a museum. It's like a basement. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if it looks like a civilization, it's okay. But if it looks like... But if it looks like caves, you're like, I'm not having it. I can't. Mm-mm. Panic. Okay. Straight panic. I gotcha. That's okay. I gotcha. I understand. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, so we've gone to Gringotts. And... So we have reference to the vault. Let's see. Do you remember the number on it? Let me test you. So, seven... Is it... Oh God, seven fourteen. That's wrong, right? What is it? No, I think I'm still looking for it for sure here. I think it's six thirteen. Oh, I thought it was a seven. Let's see here. Oh, you're right. Oh man, if you smashed was I really seven fourteen? No, no. If you smashed your answer and my answer, we would have been right. Seven thirteen. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, okay. So seven, which is the most perfect number, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then thirteen, which is the most unlucky number. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love when she does stuff like that. When Joe Rowling <laughs> does stuff like that. Yeah, she doesn't do anything um on accident, that's for sure. No, uh uh-uh. uh. I also wonder if there's a reason. For the names behind the money as well. Oh, like uh Galleon Canut Sickle. A Galleon a Canut. I know. Dang <laughs> it, Jim sickle. Dale. Um, because a sickle is a farming implement too. So that's right. the only reason I was I was wondering about that. Um and a canut 
is something you can break open and eat. Jim Dale has ruined that. And us. a galleon. I don't know. I don't what know. is a what is a galleon? I'm gonna do some research on that, and I will um I'll report back next time. Let me make a note on that because I'll forget it. Oh, it's a ship. It's a sailing ship from the 15th through the 17th century, originally as a warship, later for trade. Galleons were mainly square-rigged and usually had three or more decks and masts. Interesting. So I wonder why... I wonder why she would have chosen things like that. Maybe because it was used for trade. They traded with ships? No, it's a, no. It's Sorry, a sailing oh, ship. You, you, they from were used the, to transport from, from the fifteenth to the right. So it was originally a, a warship, but then later they used it for trade. So maybe that's why she used that as a galleon for for the money for trade. That makes sense. Okay, I like that. I need to come back to. Canada. I think we should go with it, whether yeah. it's true or not. I, I'm all for it. And a sickle, you know, a sickle you put in and pull out, you know, as your farming mm -hmm. utensil. So, but you don't, so you don't get a lot with a sickle. Mm -mm. It's used for mostly cutting, I believe. Right. So you don't really get a lot for that. That's why, well, isn't the sickle the, the smallest amount? Yeah. And yes. then a canut or nut or however you want to say it. You break it open and you get a little bit out of that too. So maybe that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So a sickle is basically like for cutting, like it basically, it, it looks like a, like a C, right. And you just, it's like a blade and you just swing your blade. Which is what death use. Yes. Death carries a sickle. Death carries a long handed, handled sickle. Yeah. Right. Yep. And the point for death is he puts his sickle in and then he pulls out one or two souls. And I don't get a lot with a sickle. Exactly. I wonder if that's why she called it a sickle because like kind of goes back to that old adage like money is the root of all evil and death carries a sickle. I mean, could be. I don't know. Just a thought. I don't know. Maybe we should try and get an interview. With Joe? Yeah. Robin, we can't even afford to interview ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, but surely she would do it for free. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Give us a call if you're listening, Joe. We'd love to have you. Yeah. <laughs> we have some questions that haven't been asked yet, so we'd like the answers to those, please. Okay, so are we All done right. with Gringotts? Yeah, we're done with Gringotts, yep. All right, so then, so then he has to go buy all of his stuff. Yep. Actually, they go get uh, ice cream first. They go to Florian Portuguese. But then um, they have a huge um, uh, discussion. Or no, he goes into Madame, Madame Malkin's. There we go. And uh, he meets lovely Jerico Malfoy with no tact whatsoever. This is where we learn about Quidditch, our first mention of Quidditch. We do uh, Flourish and Blots. 
where uh so I'm trying to think where is it do you know no they store? they they go get the they go get the um ice cream before they go to Ollivander's. Hold on, I was I'm going through the book. Hold on a second. Did I skip Ollivander's? Yeah, he goes to Madame Malcolm's and then Then they go to Flourish and Blots. Then they go to the apothecary. And then they get uh, they get ice cream. No, they got I they got ice cream after Madame Malkins. Cause okay. they, it's right here. Harry Okay. Uh, so it goes from a line from Draco, well I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawing boy. And then Harry was rather quiet as he ate the ice cream Hagrid had brought him. Had bought him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's when they went to. What the? They went to buy him a uh, parchment after that. All right, and then we have a little discussion about the Hogwarts houses, which I never liked this line. And then Joe, Joe just doesn't like Hufflepuffs. The schoolhouses, there's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff are a lot of duffers. And then Harry says, I bet I'm yes, a but, Hufflepuff. But, yeah, but Hagrid is trying to defend them, and Harry cuts them off. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. It seems like, but Joe doesn't give a lot. And then later we learned that there are a lot of Hufflepuffs that are very smart and very capable, and one of them even gets in the Triwizard Tournament. True, that's true. Yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah, I I. I do agree with you. I just feel like Hufflepuff still doesn't get like the representation that the other houses get. No, I think I think she kind of throws them under the bus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hufflepuff's like kind of like catch all. Like, where do you go if you don't go? You know. Well, and it's, that's what Helga says. I'll exactly. to, I'll I'll teach whoever's left. Exactly. So right. to be a Hufflepuff, you're actually kind of really well rounded. I agree. Because you you're not one trait is is driving you, you gotta as the it. other three houses have one trait that drives them. Yeah, you got a little of everything. That's why I'm proud to be a Hufflepuff. It's because Hufflepuff is the shit. That's right. You now listen, whistle in there. language is a family friendly. Like it just go. I can't whistle today, but you know, just put the little whistle in there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, so Hagrid also wouldn't let Harry buy a solid gold cauldron. 
because it said Peter <laughs> on the list. And I'm like, yes. I remember the very first time I read that. I'm like, yeah, that would be something my grandma says to me. All right, so then they go to the apothecary. And then they go to Ilops. And they come out with Hedwig. Which I hate how the movie does it. And see, I just, I hate that part. Oh, uh, yeah, because he buy, buys, yeah, you don't see him get to go in there. Yeah, yeah you don't, I wanted to see the, yeah. And then they go to Ollivander's, Mr. Creepy. Mr. Creepy? Why you call him Mr. Creepy? Because that's how Harry was like, he was just creepy. Hmm, I never, I don't know, I guess I just never, like, thought of him as creepy. Because he, I, I like his description. I mean, he says, an old man was standing before them, his wide pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. So he I said know. those silverly silvery eyes were a bit creepy. See, and the, I don't know, like I get it. I just I don't know. I I choose to ignore that part. I suppose. And then he talks about how um, he remembers every wand he's ever sold. So like he mentions the Lily's wand. And James's wand, and then he sees Hagrid, and he talks about Hagrid's wand. So that kind of brings me back to a point about wands, which when we talked about wands, we we figured out that the longer the wand, the more powerful the wizard is likely to be. So Hagrid's wand is oak and sixteen inches, rather bendy. Do you think that means that Hagrid is a powerful wizard or do you think that it's just accommodation for his height? Um, probably both actually. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with Hagrid still being able to use his wand or is that because so like like the broken pieces of his wand like is he able to still use that because he's a powerful wizard or because Dumbledore um mended the wand for him I think it's because Dumbledore mended the wand gotcha okay that's my personal opinion and then he hides it in that pink umbrella. Okay. That makes sense. So no, so no one knows. Yeah. Alright, so they go through the whole process of finding Harry a wand. It doesn't go so well at first. And then it kind of like, you know, gets a little better. Um, it gets a little better by saying that he... Just give it a wave. Yeah, just, yep, give it a wave. Um... So, saying it gets a little better, I mean, he ends up buying the brother of the wand that killed his parents. So, that's, you know, fun fact. Um, all right. And that's got to be, that's got to be a little bit disconcerting. Oh, yeah. 
so the brother of this one that has chosen you gave you this scar. I would have been like, well, then I don't want that one. I mean, that <laughs> would have been me. One. I'd have been like, no, thanks. Find another one. Well, and that's... But he, Harry was like, oh, okay, he just, took, he just took it in stride. Okay, that's what you say. Well, but, and that's just Harry, though. Like, that's just, we see him just do this throughout the entire, you know, series. Dumbledore, or, you know, he's like, so I have to die. And, you know, yeah, you gotta die. And Harry's like, okay, well, let's go do it then. You know, he just takes everything in stride. Well, yes, he does. All right. Um, so I totally and completely forgot to talk about the part where we um, meet Professor Quirrell. Um, I don't want to talk too much about him right now, but that's some extreme foreshadowing. All right. So Harry, Hagrid puts Harry back on the train to the Dursleys and tells him that his ticket is for the 1st of September and he needs to be at King's Cross Station. Alright, so the last chapter we're talking about is chapter 6. This is where we go from platform 9 and 3 quarters to Hogwarts. Um, so Harry tells us that his last month with the Dursleys pretty much sucked. Um, they wouldn't talk to him and uh, eventually he was able to get them to give him a ride to King's Cross. Um, but only because they were going like to London anyway to get Dudley's pigtail removed. To get the how get the like, bloody the bloody pigtail removed. Isn't that what he says? Uh, let me see here. I think he calls it ruddy. No, gotta have that <clears throat> ruddy tail removed. Oh, ruddy. Okay. I mean, what kind of questions do you have to answer? To get a to the doctor, yeah, right, yeah. Like, I mean, the questions that I get answered when I before me did it grow? What? Where did this come from? Was he born with it? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So Uncle Vernon chooses to be a um, pile of dog poo, and (laughs) you said it was family friendly, so. <laughs> so uh, yeah, where he's gonna walk him down to yeah. nine and three quarters, yeah, and then he embarrasses him. Yeah, he laughs There's at no him. No such thing as not, yeah, laughs at him. Yeah. Nine and three quarters. But see, pile of dog poo. Which I have a new vehicle, and I named it the Hogwarts Express, and I put a nine and three quarters sticker on the oh back of that God. bad boy. I freaking love I you. I love it. That's hilarious. So awesome. Let me know if you need some. I can make you some. Some stickers. Model stickers. Yeah, my cricket. You, I've just purchased, and you, and I did. Why didn't you buy it? Why Sam. You, well, Robin, why didn't you? You should have told me. She said, hey, I I'm didn't stick I sent you pictures of what I put on the back of the car. Well, I just assumed that you had someone make them for you. Did you not? You bought I them? I did. I bought them on Etsy. And then Juliana uh, Marie, I don't know if you know her or not. She's in uh, the other podcast oh, support yeah. group. Oh, I don't get the name. Um, she's going to make me my Disney tattoo, and I'm going to put that on the back of the car. Nice. She was like, I just got one of these machines, and I want practice. I was like, okay. Nice. This is what I want. Well, yeah. next time, if you need anything, just let me know, because I I have everything here. Cool. The vinyl, like, 99 cents at Michael's, so. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
any of that stuff I can do. Well, I, I wish I had done that before. Sorry. Uh, All right. So, not to get off track. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, it's okay. We can we can cut some of that out anyway. We probably have like a twelve minute chunk we can probably mix. Yeah. All right. So. So um, now he's at the. In between nine and ten, and he doesn't know what to do. And then he hears. Where is it again? Nine and three quarters. Yeah. Muggles everywhere, and it catches his attention. And it was funny because. Hagrid pounded that into him, muggles, because he was like, what are you calling them? Muggles, not magic folk. So it was a very prominent word for him, and then he caught that word when he needed help. Muggles everywhere from, you know, from Molly. And again, I think this sort of, this is foreshadowing. Molly saves him like she would save her own children. And this is Correct. just the first yes. time that she does it. Yeah. She's very kind to him. She's very helpful. You know, watch them. They're, they'll show you how to do it. You know. She is just one of these people. And sent him through the through the threshold before Ron. Yeah. You know, she could have said, well, let Ron show you how to do it. But she didn't. She sent him through first. Yeah. And then Ron came through after. That's the thing about Molly. I think she's just one of these people just meant to be a mother. Yeah. Nurturing. Ow, I bit myself. Right. Um, so this is also our first introduction to the 90%, 70% of the Weasley clan-ish. We meet uh, <laughs> Gred and Forge, Percy, Jenny, Ron. And Mrs. Weasley. So the twins uh, help Harry get his train or um, his trunk onto trunk. the onto the train. train yeah. yeah. And so I think this is like the first instance that we see. Not only is Mrs. Weasley being kind to him, but so is Fred and George, and eventually we do see Ron um, being kind in the same way and. It's just, Joe does a really yes, good job get, of setting up who's going to be friend and who's going to be foe. Because even though... Well, and this family, yeah, this family, they're poor. Yeah. I mean, you talk about dirt poor. They're dirt poor. Mm-hmm. But they have something more than money. They have kindness and caring and compassion. For a complete stranger, they have no idea who this kid is. And Molly is not there to say, help him. They do it on their own. Yeah. And that's the mark of good parenting. Yep. You know, he meets... Oh, God, I forgot his name. Malfoy. Yeah. Malfoy's not cruel to him to begin with. Malfoy is not mean to him. Malfoy is arrogant yeah. in his own right. Yep. But he's not mean to... To Harry. No. It's not until he finds out who he is and Harry turns his back. Be like, I already know you're kind. I lived with that. No, thank you. And then Malfoy gets angry. He's like, okay, fine, we're going to be enemies. And, and, but I think. But if he, but I don't think Malfoy would have helped him 
get his stuff on the train or been mm-hmm. kind to him. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, and that's exactly it. I think Joe did a really good job of setting up the relationships of the directions that they were going to go because you're right. No, Malfoy wasn't mean to him, but there was sort of like the Harry just kind of, you could tell by the tone of the the conversation that Harry just wasn't entirely into it. Like instead of explaining things or letting Harry even speak, Draco just kind of blathered on where um, the Weasleys took the time to hear him. Like Molly took the time to hear that he needed help to get on the platform and the twins saw him struggling and, Ron takes the time to just be with him for the rest of his life. So, you know, there's that. Right. Um, so she does a really good job of, of setting the foundation to these relationships. Um, I love the description that she gives of just the entire scene on the platform from the steam engine to the people, to the way that the animals were going everywhere and, um, the first time we hear about Neville, surprise, surprise, the poor boy has lost his toad, which is a recurring theme throughout. Is that does that carry through the second and third books as well, or does it just the first one? Um, I think just the first one. I think so too. I just can't, I couldn't remember for sure. Also, I think it was just the first one. Yeah. This is also the first time that we see a normal family dynamic within this book as well, because you've got like the Weasleys to set up that where like you have Mrs. Weasley, who's I'm halfway between Mrs. Weasley, but in the fact that she's like, you know, rubbing the dirt off of Ron's nose, like um yeah so normal i do that to my kid all the time and then the way that they tease each other um the twins calling um or teasing percy about being a per a prefect yeah i love that harry refers to him as percy the prefect and this is also where we get our our first inkling of who the twins are going to be too um, especially when they, they say, uh, I'm not George, I'm Fred. And you call yourself our mother. Mother. Right. Yeah. Oh, Fred, I'm sorry. I am. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, they talk about blowing up the toilet and sending Jenny a toilet seat. Trying to make sure there's nothing else I want to talk about. So actually, and and now that I'm like really looking through here, there's so much foreshadowing in here. So we talk about um, Charlie and Bill. Bill's not foreshadowing quite yet, but Charlie is for sure for this book. But I don't think that he mentions that he works with dragons yet. He doesn't, but it, it really does set up how perfectly... Like how it sets up perfectly how poor the Weasleys are because Ron is going over like how everything that he has from his robes to his wand, even down to his rat is a hand-me-down. Is a hand-me-down. Yeah. Even, even his lunch. Yeah. I don't like corned beef, but she doesn't remember Yeah. because there's so many of us. 
but like I swear I I take care I take care of two children and I couldn't remember if one of them didn't like corned beef. Sorry. <laughs> Who does like corned beef? I do. I'll eat the crap out of it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I make it for uh New Year's usually and I didn't get to make it at all this year, so I'm I'm dying. All right, so we talk about uh yeah, so the trolley cart. This is where he figures out like what the chocolate frog cards are. This is probably the biggest bit of foreshadowing within this book right here, this chocolate frog card that describes Dumbledore um for this line alone. Oh. Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945, the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood, and his work on alchemy with his partner Nicholas Flamel. What's 10 pin bowling? You know what we, everybody, normal bowling? I thought that were 8 pins. I literally just said to Randall last night, I haven't been bowling in like six, seven years. Oh, yeah, it's regular. Okay. okay. It's regular. Um, yeah, that's regular. Yeah. But why call it 10 pin bowling? Why can't it's just not, we just call it bowling? Um, maybe, I don't know, is there eight pin bowling? Maybe there's different types of bowling. I have no idea. This is not basketball. I probably don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's why they. Maybe that's. It's a. Maybe it's another English thing. I don't know. It could be. They so, call it ten pin bowling. I. I just. Ooh, where am I going with this? Okay. So I have a few more things I want to wrap up here. Um, we get a introduction to Hermione. Yes. To bossy, bossy, but that's it. And and very bossy, and she talks really, really fast. Yeah, so she's me. As a child, I was Hermione. But um, no, I think it. I think Joe does a fantastic job of setting up who these characters are. Um, oh yeah. I mean Neville. I don't think we've actually had a conversation with Neville yet, but we know he's kind of like scatterbrained. You know, he's lost his toad for the second time already in the book. I don't think he's scatterbrained. I think he's It's not it's not like My sister-in-law is scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. She gets squirreled constantly. I don't think that's Neville's problem. Neville's problem is he has got no confidence whatsoever. Yeah. And unfortunately, that comes from his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, and this is, you, you see it more the further in we get into the books, but she is constantly comparing him to his father, who was a great wizard and a de- not a Death Eater. I'm sorry. Um, what are they called? Oh, Order of the Phoenix. No, but I mean. Oh, uh, Aurora, Aurora, Aurora. Aurora, Aurora, yeah. 
And so I think he's got no confidence because she's constantly, oh, well, your father was a great wizard. Your father, da-da-da. Your father, da-da-da. And here he is going, well, obviously I can't be a great wizard because I can't compare to him. So I just don't think he has any confidence. I don't think it's him being scatterbrained. He just doesn't have any confidence. I, th- I think that's... And, and Harry on. gives him confidence in the Order of the Phoenix. Well, and not even at the Order Harry of the Harry builds Phoenix. him up. I think what? I, I would argue that it starts way, way before the end of the, or way before the Order of the Phoenix. I, I argue that it starts here in this book when he becomes friends with Harry, Ron, and Hermione. When oh, he yeah. Oh, definitely. To oh, help them and yes. Protect them and when he tries to stand up for them. And I, I think maybe Joe's setting up of Neville is. Fair and necessary, but does him no justice. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yes. All right. So, Hermione, um, she's such a know-it-all. She's like, "Oh, are you doing magic? Let's see it then." And then she just <laughs> sits down, like, "Hey, you're welcome here." Like. I wasn't that, you know, bold, but, you know. Um, And then she even says, are you sure that's a real spell? Well, it's not very good, is it? She's too funny. Now, he does set up Charlie a little bit further in. Charlie's in Romania studying dragons. Bill's in Africa doing something for Gringotts. Yep. Yep, yep. So the only Weasley that we've yet to set up, which I believe it's coming, or did he? Did we talk about Mr. Weasley yet? I don't think we talked about Mr. Weasley until book two. No, I think we talked about him before then. I just don't. Because I think sure. yeah, I think there's mention of Mr. Weasley working. Um the department I think I think something said about um well no because um they don't explain to Harry about his dad working for um the Ministry of Magic until book two because he's like how did you know that this happened he said my dad works for the Ministry of Magic I'm gonna have to look that's in book two I thought there was a mention before that I don't think so. Oh, I don't, it's okay. We can come back to it. It's not a big deal, but yeah. Um. Hold on one second. Okay, so Crab and Goyle come, or Crab and Goyle and Malfoy come bursting into the compartment, and uh. You know, foreshadowing ensues as in, you know, this happens a lot. And Scabbers bites Goyle. And then this is where uh, Ron begins to explain sort of about how the Malfoys were involved with you-know-who. And uh, 
it, it again is foreshadowing. It says, they were some of the first to come back to our side after you know who disappeared. Said they'd been bewitched. My dad doesn't believe it. He says Malfoy's father didn't need an excuse to go over to the dark side. So, that right there is foreshadowing for... That actually sets up book two a little bit. Yeah. And, uh... I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, really, it sets up book two. And then, um... Back to Hermione being a turd. She mentions that Ron still has dirt on his nose. Poor Ron. He's been mothered by both the women in his life at this point. Alright, and then we uh, arrive at Hogwarts and we meet Hagrid again. And uh, then we take boats across the lake, and then we wait to enter the castle, where we stand now. Yep. All right, Robin, do you have anything else to add? No. No, um, Jules does the next six chapters, right? Huh? Oh, is she leading, you're asking? I, yeah, I think so. I think so. We'll get with that in the text. But, um, yeah, I mean, like we said as, uh, earlier in the podcast, as often as possible, it'll be the three of us, but sometimes it'll just be the two. So bear with us. Yeah. I think that went really well. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I think we've still got some kinks that we need to work through and uh, some flow issues but I think uh, this new format is I I enjoy the conversation more I think yeah yeah yeah. I knew you would like this Robin we yeah. started to record but two weeks ago and Robin's like I don't know if I like this I don't know if I like this I was like just try it I, was I know a, you're I was gonna a little like bit it. scared well and a little bit scared. I think it was just sort of the way that we had kind of went about setting it up was that we had to read right. the chapters and sort of thing but like now that like now that we're into it and we see it's just a conversation. It's it's right. It's what we enjoy doing, just talking about Harry Potter. So Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, girl. We're back. Uh, we're back. So it probably will be a, you think a month. Yeah, I mean um no one's trying to get stressed out here. We all have big life changes going on. So, um, we're not trying to kill ourselves over this. Yeah. So. But, yeah. All right. So, uh, follow us on Facebook, Ridiculous. And then we're on Instagram at RidiculousPod. And then I'm on Instagram at Samantha underscore foot zero eight. If you send me a follow request, shoot me a message. Let me know you're from the pod. And, uh, yeah, I'll accept you. Oh, and... Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, you go ahead and do yours. I'm going to find Julia's information. I got it right here. Um, oh, I am go. running my pup. Um, 
and uh, Julia is JSTJohn0422. Again, if you're from the podcast, just send me a DM and let me know. All right. Well, until next time. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we hope you come back for more Potter. We do not need magic to transform the world. We carry all the power we need inside ourselves already. J.K. Rowling. All right. Go be freaking kind. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.